Or I, we could just, just choose to add, make it that the make that the priority. Right. And that's what I, I you know, that's actually one of my main tenets on my show is I, I've repeated it multiple times is every single issue in this country is a political choice. Um, and that's why I think everything boils down to politics and getting the right people in the right positions, because inherently everything is in, influenced by that. Um, you know, homelessness, poverty, uh, starvation. I mean, it's well, all and of food, it. nutrition to obviously echo Evan's primary point. Like, how the hell are we allowing for Monsanto to have this kind of influence over our um, world, not just yeah. country, but world? And the answer is probably straightforward money. We're good over here. How about you? Welcome to Movement Matters. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. I appreciate you. It's good to be here with you. This episode is a little experimental. So these two guys, Connor and Evan, I just saw Connor this morning, actually. We did another recording. I'll talk about that in a moment. Connor and Evan have known each other, I think, for a good chunk of their lives. I forget if they met in grade school or high school. But it's been a while. And they they have a lot in common, but um, they they like... Or I've, I've witnessed them engaging with respect to their differences. Their seeming... Their, their supposed differences. Especially with respect to politics, or at least some kinds of policies and overall sociological um, goals and, and just intellectual curiosities about what what could we do better as a species? How could we evolve here? And I thought it would be fun to see how they do that together face-to-face, more or less. And um, what I found is that, and I think they kind of agree, it's, it's not the best kind of conversation for them to engage in. and there, But that's okay, and that's there's a good reason why. So Evan in particular is very, very, uh, I believe it's fair to say, focused on his lane. He likes to stay within the lane of his own expertise, which, by the way, I would highly recommend you uh, engage with him about his expertise, which mostly has to do with functional medicine and nutrition generally, but I think functional medicine is the primary lane. And he's definitely an expert with regard to overall gut health, which is health in general, so to speak, and the need for regulating your relationship with light better. And most likely that just means getting the F outside. On that note, though, if you go outside a lot and you, at this particular point in time, seem to be having a tough time with those so-called allergies, you might also want to talk about your gut because they probably go hand in hand. And that is Evan's Lane, I think, in a nutshell. It's one simple way to characterize it. So when it comes to these kinds of conversations, which everybody 
really needs to be able to um, have a perspective on. I think he maybe felt a little, uh, you know, out of, not out of his league, but just out of his element. Um, it wasn't forced, but it it wasn't, I think, necessarily as fluid as I thought it could be. I think it's a good representation, though, of how people can discuss and th- seemingly discover, ideally, I think the most important thing isn't discussing, but discovering something new together. I think this is a good representation of how to do that. Needless to say, it was worthwhile. We're going to do more of these with groups of people um, because it's so obvious that it's needed. One-on-one is a great conversation. Um, You're never going to hear me just talking to a in a vacuum because I think I probably am not very good at it. And two, I, I think I'd get bored with myself and I'm not really interested in doing that. I think the conversations, the communication, uh, the exploration together is good. I get enough one-on-one time with my writing. So there'll be more of these. And this was a good sort of you know, practice, if you will. Um, ultimately, I think we landed on more or less that we're all on the same page and we're all going to just stick to our <laughs> our specialties, you could say. But I think trying for anyone to broaden your horizons and you know flex your you know, work on other muscles aside from what you're most, what you're best at, it's important to do. And that's what this conversation mostly represents. Again, though, Evan, with respect to his lane, so to speak, and his expertise, please reach out to him and get your gut, get your gut in line, get your gut in gear, gut health, mental health, everything. It's all the same. Don't, don't miss out. Functionality is not just a buzzword. It is, when it comes down to it, like what do you really value more than functionality? For God's sake, please. I hope that's your priority. That doesn't mean other things don't matter or that it's, you know, that being dysfunctional or not functional is somehow less, God, it breaks my heart to even think about it, that it's like less valuable or not good. That's not it at all. In fact, functionality integrates the the awareness that everything matters. Everything has a place. Everything has a purpose. Everything fits somehow. I think functionality is mostly about being able to see the context for what for how things best fit together. Now the subjectivity you could say is the word best, but if you break that down too much, you're probably being a little dysfunctional. And there's the trap. So let's not do that. Cheers to functionality. And Connor, of course, just goes along with that completely. And I think a lot of you maybe know Connor. He was He's um, the host of the Con O Show, face of the Doylestown Democrats. Um, and he's a damn swell fella. I just got to record one of the shows for Wide Open today with him. And boy, oh boy, that was a treat. <laughs> well done, Connor. Looking forward to more. Um... That's all I'm going to say about this one, you know. You'll you'll get what you get from it, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, 
the very least, it's a good exercise in, in seeing just how people can be engaging better. And and better is a low bar, given how poorly it seems like a lot of people are engaging, but this is a good way to do it, for sure. Listen, consider, stick to what's true or at least objective or observable. Don't jump to conclusions. Please, for God's sake, don't jump to conclusions. Pun intended, because what the hell is God? That's another nice pun. I'm going to stop there. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Tables. Do you need a new table? You probably could use a new table. What about a new, uh, really beautiful coat rack or some sort of um, shelving unit or, oh, better yet, even a desk? What Do you need a new desk? You might, or you know somebody who might. In which case, you've got to check out Philadelphia Table Company. The local business, been in the Philadelphia area for years now, branching out more to the greater Philadelphia area, including your one and only Bucks County. In fact, the owner lives in Bucks County. It's a great company. We, we've we sourced um, at home and here at Koru, which is basically home, if you will, um, quite a bit and couldn't be happier. They are so creative. They, they're willing to they're always willing to test their skills, and it it always pays off. Check them out. PTC, Philadelphia Table Company. Um, can't go wrong. They can they can they can outfit your entire business if you really want them to. They've even built stairs for God's sake, stairs for a two story restaurant. Pretty damn cool. All right, go get a table. Go get a tasty beverage. Check out Connor and Evan here. I'll see you at the end. Thank you. So here's here's what it says, and it, it's a delight. Um, I won't name the other people. I'll start with, it's, it's a very short transcript. So first person writes, you can bet Bill Gates is getting kickbacks from him for pouring his forever chemicals all over that farmland he just bought. And then somebody else puts puke face, puke face, puke face, puke face. Actually, I almost puke faced. And then I did puke face when I saw that it was, it is who he appointed as if he didn't already do enough damage when appointed by Obama. Another person writes puke. And then Connor chimes in and says, register, here's your voice, Connor. Register for a party and get involved locally to put forward candidates that are better and fight in primaries. If we don't engage in the fight, then nothing will ever change. That's just the voice that came out. Sounds exactly like me. I'm actually blown away. (laughs) And then Evan is, uh, that is the process over the long term. The short term is to educate people to vote with their dollars. Not only do we need not need politicians for that, but we also skip them blatantly lying to us like Obama did in 2007. Glad I was able to still find a party of the part of the original video as YouTube has conveniently, I'm going to stop the voices, deleted the full one. If I really was going to do voices, it would have to be over the top. Evan, continuing, point is it's hard to tell which candidates are better, quote unquote, when people like this man directly said he's 
he'd do something and then did the exact opposite. The past four administrations are all guilty, by the way. Obama just happened to be the worst due to making a promise to do the opposite in 2007. Obviously, this is largely in reference to GMOs, I believe. Let's cl- we'll clarify that in a moment. And when I say he did the exact opposite, I mean that quite literally another political snake, albeit one that is particularly gifted and eloquent in the area of speech, makes it hard for, harder for people to hear the hiss. And then Connor writes back to Evan, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying the way to change it is to get involved in the process to run candidates that will change that system. Every municipality has committees about this stuff. That's where to start. Same with the environment and other issues. So yes, presidents break promises, big ones, but it's honestly really clear which of the parties is worse when it comes to this corruption, albeit they're still both bad. People like Bernie, AOC, and other Justice Democrats only take small dollar donations from individuals and no corporate money so that influence doesn't exist on them the same way. I hope you guys are getting prepared to talk, by the way, because I I will want a break. Connor can, or Evan replying to Connor. It's almost done, by the way. Nor I with you, my friend. <clears throat> I feel like I missed the piece there, but whatever. I feel like this is the exact same conclusion we came to with another issue, laugh out loud. It seems like I put more emphasis on educating the people first, where you would put more emphasis on having the right people in government first. That's probably the key line. Thankfully, I think we could both agree that the other side's solution is a worthy one, and it is quite possible that both are necessary for true change to be made. Connor to Evan, I love educating people. Oh, Evan put a smiley face, by the way. And learning new things myself, but only one party values public education, my dude. (laughs) The other slashes (laughs) budgets and creates charter schools for the few and the lucky. Um, Evan writes to Connor, good thing I don't have a party. Connor writes to Evan, I know you don't laugh out loud. I'm saying broadly in the two-party system, we have one party. We have one party and one doesn't. Okay, that's it. We'll leave it at that. That's basically the whole thing. So, ring any bells, gentlemen? Yep. Um... I don't know if who you want us, which one of us you want to go first, or the one that starts, and which that seems like you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I mean, like my inherent uh, position is that everything is political and it has to start with electing the right people to those positions. Um, I think the inherent the inherent thing that me and Evan uh, agree on, which is what we keep going back and forth with a lot of these issues, is that there is corruption. There is, uh, f- there are flaws in all these systems. And at Colin, as you remember from our first conversation, I am very heavy on critiquing systems rather than the individuals um, that make up the systems because individuals are always flawed. Um, but from, from my perspective, the only way that we can make change happen is through the political system. And that, that coincides with the education piece um, that, Evan wants to put forward, which, I mean, that's why I do my show. So we, I think we agree on that aspect. Um, the, di- the disagreement becomes the false equivalency between the two parties and in which, you know, I, I obviously represent one of the two parties as chairman of the Democratic Party. So, um, and there, there's inherent flaws within that party for sure. And I'm trying to root them out. And that's kind of what I'm doing. And 
I mean, it's just, it's a long process. And, and of course, there's going to be in the interim people that are terrible. There's people that I vehemently disagree with that hold positions of power. I mean, I disagree with Joe Biden significantly. He wasn't my preferred candidate for president, um, nor was nor, nor is Brian Fitzpatrick my preferred candidate for the congressional seat because he's a Republican and not a moderate one at that. But um, I mean, we can go into any any million things from there, but just want to at least give Evan a chance to hop in. Yeah, I guess my first and uh, foremost response is that I think it's really important for anyone listening to this. I like talking about these things. I mean, it's something I never do publicly. Um, I suppose Facebook's public, right? But that's a very short and brief conversation. And the reason I don't talk about it is because I don't study it. And I believe that politics are extremely complicated subjects. I think they're grossly oversimplified. I think people shout at capitalism or shout at socialism, having absolutely no idea um, what these things truly are. And I think that's because it takes some studying, uh, more studying than I've done on either side. So, you know, I know I'm only qualified to say certain things. Um, certainly you can have a, I guess you could call it a more philosophical opinion. And I think that's what's interesting. I mean, Connor and I actually really don't technically disagree on that much. Um, you know, when you make the comparison of the parties, my argument on, especially that day, had nothing to do with the parties. I'm arguing about the people. And I don't like people that lie. Um, I don't like that on either side. And it really has nothing to do with the parties to me. I can't talk on parties. I haven't studied either Democrats or Republicans enough or libertarians or anything in between to say, oh, I think this is right, or I think this is where I want to go. So all I can do as an individual right now is look at the people and see things objectively and say, especially when there's a lie, when there is a clear objective lie, then I can say, oh, I really don't like that. And I don't think Connor or Colin, this is your standard, but certainly you guys probably have heard this a million times where people now say, oh, well, politicians lie. That's not the standard I'm willing to accept. If that's the standard the rest of the world is willing to accept, so be it. Um, I don't accept that on either side. So my when you talk about the one party doing more for one thing, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't even know about that. My argument with what I posted came from a topic that I'm very passionate about, which is organic food and the fact that consistently, consistently the past four administrations and possibly five or six, I just haven't looked into that, you know, have supported the same thing in this area, which I just find absolutely appalling. And the Obama thing came up. I actually love Obama as a speaker. Um, I've studied his speaking because I speak myself and I think he is very good at it, but he was the one more so than any of the other three right now in the past four administrations that blatantly lied and that is proven on video. And then you could see the acts that he signed. I mean, this is not an opinion. This is no, no uh, subjectivity to this whatsoever. It is an objective outright lie. So my things come to the person, not the party, because I don't have the education to speak on the parties. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I think that's a fair uh criticism. And, and my, my point being is, and look, I, I definitely don't know as much about, you know, organic foods and whatnot um, when it comes to that way. Cause I, I just focus on for me lifting weights. <laughs> so that's, that's just the way I focus. And then the politics of that. And I know these things are inherently linked, but when I talk about when we, like in that conversation, we, we mentioned education, right? So I just pulled up it and just, just for comparison, why it's important is like the education secretary difference between say president Trump and then president Biden, which I know that's neither of them are the ones that you brought up in, in, um, uh, in this comparison, but Ob uh, Biden's pick is for, um, 
agriculture secretary, I believe, is what we're really was the original link to. Of this yeah, discussion. it was about Vilsack, um, Tom Vilsack. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just I just pulled up about uh, the, the education secretary because that was in the the discussion that we had, and just this is a because you can you can say okay in in this position it's the same it's it's BS and they're they're both the same. But when I say they're they're not the same in in a lot of aspects, we have uh, Miguel Cardona versus Betsy DeVos. And when it comes to public education, so like like we both we we both agreed that education is key, and we want to make sure that we're getting kids, adults, whoever educated on a variety of different topics. But if we don't focus on public education, which again comes back to the inherent solution of do you believe in public education or do you not? One party does, one does not. And then if you don't believe in public education, then only a select few people will be able to get educated on the topics that you and I like to discuss or any any different topic, right? So it like trickles down because this is the type of thing that it starts at the top. It starts with the federal government and comes back down. And then I'll come back to just the argument for the sake of saying like, if we want to enforce things when it comes to what what is in our food, because I think we can all agree that our food is filled with poison. Um, if we want to enforce that, the way that we go through it is through the FDA and we have to put people that are qualified, that believe in the science, that actually study the science in those positions. And the way that we do that is electing people that rep that represent what we believe in, um, which again, comes back to getting involved. The word lie, lie here is jumping out at me because I think integrity is critical for, well, first off, before going down that path, obviously I didn't expect you guys to be um, debating. That's not the intention here. That wasn't the vision. I thought we would just have a uh, hopefully enjoyable and worthwhile education, really just kind of shooting the shit about these things because obviously you both are passionate and I think we're all qualified enough to discuss this stuff intelligently, kind of like just we're like we're just hanging out. That was the the vibe I was envisioning tonight, and I think that's probably the appropriate vibe. Because um, Evan, I'm not a quote unquote politician either. I've never been engaged in policy writing or any sort of legislation. Uh, fine-tuning the way Connor has or is more familiar with. Um, I will, yeah, let's throw a monkey wrench in there about this this lying piece, though. Um, Connor, you, not to oversimplify your, I guess, worldview, it's sort of like the long game. We got to work with the system as it is. I, that's kind of how I perceive it. Yeah. And there's an understand and i that seems understandable but on the other hand it, or and alongside that is evan i believe you're not it's you're not apathetic evan that's not appropriate and i don't want to characterize it in that way it's a legitimate sense of well why would we trust why would i trust any of this to function given what i've seen why would i trust this to be functional, given what I've seen? It's an obvious question. It makes sense, especially if you can see that there is legitimate blatant lying. And how can we improve something without integrity? How can we improve the system if people don't have integrity? We do see pretty clearly there is a pretty, 
there's a dearth of justice at hand in many contexts and a total lack of integrity seemingly at the quote-unquote highest levels. Um, so I agree the long game, but it does seem like we are dealing with a sense of urgency that is not um, <clears throat> inappropriate. And I also agree, yeah, it doesn't look like there's much to be, um, to have faith in, in terms of the system. And I know that could sound like a privileged white guy. My older brother tells me that all the time, that, <laughs> yeah, only, only comfortable white people say that, sort of, white men say that. So, and we got three of us here. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, relatively comfortable. Yeah. Um, well, I meant the white part. <laughs> yeah. And we're obviously pretty comfortable when we're having a freaking Zoom chat right now on a Tuesday evening. And what are you guys thinking? I don't have any big question to throw out there. Just obviously reflecting back that I get. I get what we're all saying. And I, I guess where I would be is not in the middle because I think we all kind of mix around here. Um, I guess I'm not really sure what to think in some respects uh, in terms well, of, yeah, go for it. I mean, I can, I can, I, I know like where that sense of apathy comes where it's like, okay, this is all like really screwed up. I don't want to deal with this shit. I'll do it myself kind of deal. And mm -hmm. look, as an individual, I think that that's, that's fine and it works for people. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to go and do your own thing and be your own person, I encourage it. But when we look at systems, we have to look at like the fundamental flaws and fundamentally systems are just made up of people. And if you don't elect people with integrity or put people with integrity into positions, which of course you can't know until you you can't know fully about someone's integrity until they're in a position, I believe, I guess. You could try and vet them. You can try and do everything. Um, but that's where local organizing and, lo and, and these local races matter. Um, and what I, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but like what, what I do in that local area, I get to, I've, I talk to, I know our state rep. I know our state senator. I know our commissioners. I've, I mean, I've interviewed them at Coru. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, that was fun. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, I get a, you know, we get a different perspective with the local stuff that we can't, we can't fully get when we're talking about a president. And, you know, we could argue whether there should even be a president or whether there should be governors or whatever. Um, but yeah, my, my view is a much longer horizon because it's easy to feel, I shouldn't even say easy. It's, it's normal to feel apathetic with some of this stuff. And I get frustrated with it every day because I think the Democratic Party, I'm, you know, we talk about Obama. I'm significantly to Obama's left um, on a lot of things. So uh, it's hard for me, to, and same thing with Joe Biden. So it's hard for me to say like, I'm going to sit here and defend them. And that's why I'm, it's easy for me to be like, yep, disagree with that, disagree with that. But it comes down to, we have to do our own vetting and hopefully we can get people that have a higher level in, of integrity. Hopefully, yes. Evan, anything you want to add there? Um, not particularly. And I mean, yeah. I appreciate you emphasizing that it's, it's certainly not a debate. And because, I, I again, I, when Connor and I talk, I mean, we really, the level of disagreement is so small. 
Uh, most of the time, you know, I mean, fundamentally, we agree on most things. And it, it really comes down to sometimes a difference in priority of what to do first and second. And it's quite frankly, a priority that I don't even have a huge attachment to. So it's, it's really tough to say. I mean, it's interesting on this conversation, because we're talking about something not in my space, which is health. And I mean, I've done another podcast on the health side of things on this particular podcast with you, Colin, and you'll see, I mean, I reference things, I I cite things, it's constant facts and studies or whatever. Um, So when I don't have that, it's not that you can only rely on that. I mean, some things just can be subjective and just have some common sense with it. I think that's fine. But yeah, I mean, I'm more hesitant to get into any kind of debate with that. So, I mean, certainly that's not what I'm here to do today. I feel like we'll actually find um, as we continue that we agree on more things um, than not. I mean, everything Connor said so far, I've never looked into this stuff about, you know, which party does which with education. But I mean, certainly everything you said makes sense to me. I guess the problem I've had too, and not to stir the pot, I mean this quite nah, seriously. I'm going to stir the pot in a second too. So go on. <laughs> I just, and it's a light stirring, you know, wooden spoon. Um, it's something where I've heard such convincing people on either side. And I like to listen to different perspectives. I've, I've been on a guy's radio show doing some narration for a libertarian party. I'm like, that sounded pretty good. You, you know, and then there's so many times where I've had that experience where I'm like, that sounded pretty damn good that I know that this is so much more complicated than I would have ever given it credit for. And I give a lot of props to someone like Connor who, um, you know, clearly has done his research and continues to do that research, right? But politics is a really tough thing because I have found that since so many of us, including myself, are grossly undereducated on it, that the more educated you are in any given political party, whether it's conservative, libertarian, or democratic, and I'm just using the common ones, at least the three most common in um, the U- USA, right? I realize that the higher up you are in that and the more educated you are, it sounds pretty damn good. And perhaps some people are just spewing BS that I have no idea about, or, you know, you need to know something to make your own opinion. And I I hope that makes sense. I guess I've just had so many issues where I hear all these different people that sound so great from so many different perspectives. And I think that just becomes from being under, under, excuse me, undereducated myself. So um, I'll pass that to you at that, Colin. Got it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Let's let's go into capitalism. That's a fun one, right? That's a good way to stir the pot. And I'm not look. I don't want to provoke any debate, really. I'm not. I, I'm probably too tired for it, especially because that conversation I mentioned was only last night. I'm still kind of recovering from that, I think, or at least just processing it. Um, but I do think it's valuable to uncover anything that we might not have a total or a a completely similar take on and see what there is to see. And I suspect capitalism is a pretty easy one. I suspect it's low hanging fruit, but for good reason. Um, Connor smiling. I don't get the, I don't have the advantage of seeing Evan's face, but I assume (laughs) he, he may be, he's usually smiling. I think, uh, Connor, you have a thought on capitalism. I can see that. And I know, well, of I course, wanna, I just want to be. I want to um, kind of take one second to piggyback off what Evan had said. Um, first of all, Evan, if you know a libertarian, you want to connect us, I'll debate him. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to. Um, but what would you debate? Anything. Uh, libertarianism. I, I would, I'll debate libertarianism versus social democracy, which is what I believe. And I think we, I don't know if we discussed this on my, when I was on last time with you, Colin, but social, social democracy is basically the hybrid of socialism and capitalism. It's, 
It's a mm-hmm. form of the United States uh, economy that we have today, which is an unfettered capitalism, which is why I'm smiling is because free market capitalism in which libertarians like to promote never has existed. And in places that it's tried, which, you know, people always say socialism doesn't work. Free market capitalism also doesn't work. Um, we've seen this. I mean, I'm, I'm actually at the moment working my way through the shock doctrine by Naomi Klein. Hmm. Um, and they, ex- there's a huge portion about the, uh, the, um, the a military coup in Chile in uh, the seventies and with Pinochet. And this is where Milton Friedman and a bunch of all these other vulture capitalists went in, overthrew the, the Chilean, the duly elected Chilean government and put in a fully, you know, as full of a free market capitalist society as you can. It didn't work. It was horrible. People like, you know, if you want to read more about that, read the shock doctrine. That's where I can go with that. But um, in, in particular, um, I just get, a, I, I get a good laugh at it because, you know, I'm, we're just, we think we live in a capitalist society, but we live in more of a corporatist mixed with a capitalist society rather than a social democracy in which we would have basic human rights protected like healthcare, like education, um, like housing, like food, um, you know, basic, basic things that every human I think is supposed to be guaranteed. And I think is supposed to be guaranteed by the declaration of independence in the constitution. But, um, I mean, I think we, well, whether it's supposed to or not, it could be is really the, well, I think it is supposed to, and then that's the, it could, and we, I've put, or I've we put could just this, choose to make it that the make that the priority. Right. And that's what I, I, you know, that's actually one of my main tenants on my show is I've repeated it multiple times is every single issue in this country is a political choice. Um, and that's why I think everything boils down to politics and getting the right people in the right positions because inherently everything is influenced by that. Um, you know, homelessness, poverty, uh, starvation. I mean, it's well, all and of food, affected. nutrition to obviously echo Evan's primary point. Like how the hell are we allowing for Monsanto to have this kind of influence over our um, world, not just yeah. country, but world. And the answer is probably straightforward money. So with that in mind, yes, like there's, you know, in reference to, the kind of conversation I had just recently. There are a lot of people, and we know there are a lot of them, based on the last couple of months, who believe that the socialist agenda, or more specifically, even Marxist or communist agenda, is the, with like capital T-H-E, the primary threat to our way of life, so to speak. It is the big bad wolf, the boogeyman. And they're very convinced of that. (laughs) Seemingly absolutist in their point of view about it. No question. And their perspective, and it is a they. I've I've heard it enough from people. There is a whole group of this, of these kinds of of people with this very, very specific, fine-tuned belief system. And they think that if you don't see it, then you literally are just not open in your eyes. You're blind. Um, 
Connor or Evan, do you have a thought on that? Do you know anything about that? Even though it's not, so to speak, in your wheelhouse, if you will, but you you must be present to that kind of um, topic or people who think that way. And it kind of goes along with something that you've pointed to, which is um, censorship and, dare I say, even the kinds of... Um, yeah, I think it goes along with the concerns I've seen you express about censorship. Sure. And I, again, one of those things I st- stick to objectively because I can objectively see the censorship happening. In fact, um, we don't even really hide it, right? Now, whether or not a private... well not private, but you know what I mean? A, a business has a right to do that is a separate conversation. Whether or not it's the right thing um, is another. So that's kind of my brief point on that, unless we want to go deeper. And with the communist thing, I mean, I, I again, I, I hate to give lame answers here, but I'm always just very honest about where I do and don't have large areas of knowledge. I mean, I, I'm unaware of any time that true communism has been successful. I'm happy to be educated on it. Um, I don't even think I could fully define what communism is though. So that's probably, again, I apologize for a lame answer, but I'm just unsure how to even answer that. Yeah, fair enough. And I knew it would be a little tricky to make sure that we were all equally um, comfortable with any of the topics. That's what I'm going to try to keep everything kind of flowing and maintain a... um, you know, awareness of all of our expertise, if you will. But can I ask a can I ask a question? Of course. And this can go to either of you guys. But um, I've talked about this multiple times on my show with cancel culture and uh, with censorship. Um, I'll tell you my brief. I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Obviously, we can all talk for hours. It's kind of what we do. Um, I get sick of talking. Actually, I'm very good at. Well, me talking. and Evan obviously <laughs> don't. <laughs> Um, (laughs) uh, when it comes to like this censorship and the cancel culture, I just want, I'm just positing like, what is a solution? What can we do? What should we do? Because to me, um, historically perspectives like mine have been censored and historically perspectives from gay, trans, black, Hispanic, you know, the list goes on of marginalized groups throughout history, their perspectives have been muted, if not censored completely. Um, So I guess like in some way, most of the things that are being so-called censored, and I, and I know Evan has a different perspective because some of the things which we can get with the social media stuff and and the health stuff. And that's why I'm asking like, how do we fix it? Because in my realm, in the political realm, there is a clear line of hate speech, which gets labeled. And I mean, most of the time, like we look at Gina Carano getting canceled, like who cares? Uh, I don't care. Um, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato Head, this, these things are corporate uh, decisions. They're not really censorship, but I know Evan um, has shared um, like doctors getting censored and all this other stuff. So I guess my, my question isn't, isn't like, where's the line, but more like, how do we solve it? I'll start there, Colin, if I may. Um, I mean, that's that's a great question, Connor. And uh, just like a lot of my things that I talk about, you know, I'm not saying it's an easy route, but so much of my message is around education, um, direct education to the consumer. And again, this is tough with billions of people in the world. I, I fully understand that. I mean, I don't know what the solution is. I would love for it to be, well, I'm sorry, I guess I do know what a solution is, but I just don't know how practical it is. I would love to live in a world where we are all objective enough 
that we could look at something like Facebook censoring either political side and say, you know what, I might not agree with that, but I still want them to be able to say this on a la- like this large of a platform because I wouldn't want that to happen to me. Now, again, just to be clear, I fully support Facebook's right to do whatever they want. My question is because, you know, or my concern is rather, we see people not only just being quiet to this, but they're cheering. Oh, good. We censored that person. We censored that person I disagreed with. Well, what happens when the tables turn and now we censor you, right? And that's, you made a great point. I mean, this has happened throughout history. Um, I hope to God I would have disagreed with this just as much 300 years ago as I would have right now. Um, I like to believe that. I I think I'm a relatively objective guy. Can't say that though. I I wasn't around back then. Um, I would love to live in a world where, you know, we are, Again, objective enough that we allow anything in, even if it is hurtful, because if it's really so hurtful, hopefully all of us can say, hey, wait a second, we just know that that's bad. I don't need to tell you, hush, hush, I'm going to block your Twitter or I'm going to block your Instagram or block your Facebook or YouTube or whatever they're doing now, you know, because we can tell that this is bad. Um, And I know some people disagree with that. And then my second point, and then I'll pass it to you, Colin, is that for the health stuff, which is really why I get into that topic to begin with, I mean, I don't dip my toes into this for any other reason other than the health stuff. When I see a doctor posting a study and that study is getting flagged for being fact-checked, and I this is, I swear on my life, I've watched this happen. OBGYN turned functional medicine doctor because of an experience she had with herself and her husband not getting results from the medical system. She posts the study, she posts her description under it. I'm watching it getting fact-checked, they tell me why it gets fact-checked. I go and read the study, which I was actually coincidentally already familiar with before, it's a famous one on sugar, and literally what they are saying is not correct based on what the study was showing, which to me is so insane because how stupid do they think that we are that people aren't just going to go read this stuff? I mean, it's actually insulting. So my whole censorship conversation really is quite biased, admittedly, to my sector when I see literal facts being fact-checked and then having the nerve to not even be smart enough to just delete it completely so that I can go check the study and say, wait, that doctor was literally quoting the study precisely and you're telling me it's not true. That's scary to me. I can understand why maybe some bad apples in a very large pharmaceutical company, I'm not talking about your local pharmaceutical rep, everyone. I'm talking about maybe, possibly, not saying it exists, I'm not sure. Maybe some people very high up that are very financially interested in, or invested, you know, want to make sure some things are censored. But I'm scared when Facebook and Instagram start doing that. Like, why are they doing something that you would think a very bad Apple pharmaceutical company would be doing? Where are these pockets getting intertwined? You know, whose money's going where? That's what scares me. Um, It's very concerning. And I think the reason I go to censorship in general is because I want to see this moved away from what's happening in the health space so bad, but that's getting left completely in the dust because they're having people focus on just the political side of things. Okay. Um, and I'll, Colin can go right after, but I just have a question um, to follow up. And it's just like, and I guess this is kind of that second question that I was asking, but where is the line? What is the, like, if, if I know, I know this is, I don't mean to straw man or anything like that, but there are, there are one-off studies. It, I'll use climate change as an example so that we, we don't have to debate like the validity of any one uh, study, but like 99.7% of all studies show that climate change is at least somewhat man-made. Um, but there are some that say they don't exist. If that is shared on Facebook or if that is shared on Instagram, do we just like, 
Like, what do we do with that? What do we do with misinformation and disinformation that is inherently and uh, on purpose disinformation and is just being put out there to, you know, whatever you said, like the pharmaceutical companies or whatever, the insurance companies or the people that make artificial sweeteners or whatever. Like, what do we do with that? I guess my response there is, I mean, and maybe this is too, um, I'm trying to think of how to word it. Maybe it's too like living in a, a fairy tale or wanting to live in a fairy tale, but I believe people should have the right to figure out things for themselves. I mean, I don't, who? I don't think that's a fairy tale, but I do think we need to, I'll put in the word and then I'll let you finish having the word idealism, but let's just put that as a word that we need to unpack um, as well as morality, but go on, Evan. I'll, I'll pause. And I'm listening. I'm just going to pull, I'm just going to get something for you to show you real quick. Sure thing. He's going to get a box of sugar. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the problem, right? Because the climate change thing, I've, I've no argument there whatsoever, not debating that specific example with what I saw with the specific study. There's a whole series of studies. There's meta-analyses done on this one thing. It, we're very aware that this is probably true. And you know what? I guess I say probably because we can get into a bigger conversation of, you know, science. And like you just said, I think I think the number that you quoted was 97.7% uh, percent of these climate change studies show that we are having an impact on the environment. I mean, there is always a percent chance that we are wrong, including the opposite of what I just supported with the sugar thing. Um, and so I feel like I want to live in a world where people can make their own cho choices and decisions and do their own research and decide that's bad. I don't need Facebook and Instagram holding my hand and saying, hey, sorry, Ev, you're too stupid to figure this out on your own. So we're going to fact check this for you and let you know that this isn't true. Um, who are you to let me know that something's true or not true? I'll make that decision for myself. And the minute you give someone else that power and then you are engaging in lazy thinking to just allow them to do that permanently, well, that's a wide open door to eventually control a narrative and control what truth actually is, because we know that people at the top on both sides have a lot of tendency to corrupt. And so I'm not going to put my faith and trust in someone else telling me what's true or not. I, I can do that myself. I can learn how to read studies and I can figure that out in, in my own um, way. So I guess that's where I come from with that. I know you got something, Connor. Do you want to? Yeah. Um, but so first, I guess, um, I, I guess I, I think we have to rely on it. I have, a, I have opinions on what we can do and, and maybe we disagree on them, but, uh, it all boils down to the reliance upon expertise because it, I kind of, I posit this question with, uh, well, that sounds this is like why what I, Evan's saying about objectivity and therefore having, studies, so to speak, experts that are providing objective information in their studies. Well, <laughs> I not guess... Weird, is that not what you were... Well, I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to being smart enough, I don't think there's a denial that humans are smart, but we're selectively smart. Do we agree on that? Like, we don't, we can't know everything and we can't be informed about... I mean, the same way that, like, I'm not as informed about health the same way that Evan wouldn't be as informed on the political realm because that's just not our focus, right? So when it comes to certain things, 
we have to rely upon what is available and what is provided to us as like from experts. I use this example um, when I talk about, uh, you know, health insurance and, and a bunch of other things. But when you come, when you come to me as a strength coach and you say, I want to bench 400 pounds, you're relying upon my knowledge, my expertise to get you to bench, you know, 400 pounds. If I said, all right, put up, put 400 pounds on the bench, go for it. And you drop 400 pounds on, on your neck, you die, whatever. Is that, is that the fault of the person that trusted the expert or is that the fault of the expert? And that's where it's like, it gets more convoluted as to who is to blame. How do we fix the problem? And what I got, what I got here was a poster from my, my election where like, th this is just like propaganda. Wow. So it's like, well, and I know this is, you know, me with a hammer and sickle basically next to my face. Like, I know I'm a public figure because I ran for office, but like, when does it become, when does it become incumbent upon the person that is putting out this information rather than the people that are receiving it? That's kind of all, you know, that, that line is kind of blurry. And I, I have solutions to, to the issue, but again, it's. Well, let's talk about what your solutions are before anyone comments on that. Well, my solutions, especially when it comes to social media, is either to one, break them up, um, which I think is the best solution. I think we should break up Amazon, break up Walmart, break up uh, Facebook, break up, well, Instagram is owned by Facebook, break up Google, break up all these companies, which is actually, if you think about it, the most capitalist thing you can do. It's what Teddy Roosevelt did. And this way, there's more competition. There's more marketplaces for these ideas, for these social media outlets and whatnot. So let's just say you break up Facebook, there's Conbook and Colin Book. And on, on Colin Book, you can't post uh, you can't post certain things about, you know, bacon, but on, on my, my form of fa Facebook, you can, then those people can come over. But when there's a monopoly in the, uh, in the, in the market, you, there's really only one outlet that you can go to basically be in the town square and Facebook serves as that. And the same thing with Twitter. Um, they're, they're just different, slightly different lanes. So if you can't, if you can't compete in those marketplaces, technically, if we agree that they're marketplaces, then you're just SOL, which then I think you should break them up, make it more competitive, make it actually a marketplace for these um, social media platforms. Um, but the other alternative, which I don't believe in, but many conservative folks do, um, is nationalizing them, which is funny enough, a, a socialist type of uh, idea, more of a communist idea, but um, the government would then own Facebook and the First Amendment in the United States would apply and thus you can't censor uh, political speech and you can't censor speech that is protected under the First Amendment. Um, neither are perfect. There's obviously issues in, in both, but those are, the, those are the two that I've heard posited. What was the word you used again? For breaking, not breaking it up, but the other word, having it so that the government owns it, nationalize it, nationalize. Oh, okay. Evan, anything you want to add? I mean, not particularly, and and it's interesting that you know that viewpoint is had. I mean, I, I, I mean it when I say it that I, I don't think Facebook should have to be put somewhere where we force them. I, I don't think Facebook is any more in the right being forced 
to follow First Amendment laws. They are a business. They can do whatever they want. I mean, you know what I mean by that. Like they can choose yeah. if they don't want you to be able to say hello on their platform, they have the right to do that. I might think that's stupid, but they have the right to do that. Why should I be able to tell them what they can and can't say? My whole point is, again, coming from a, you know an empowerment of people and a, a hopefulness that we think about what it would be like to have this happen to our side is, do we want to support something so large censoring something just because we happen to disagree with that point? Is it smart to cheer that on? I don't know. And the other question, I mean, this is always a problem I have with either side trying to regulate Facebook or do something here. Clearly, none of us are stupid and no one listening is stupid. We know that Facebook is a large thing. What point does this qualify as being something that, oh, this is too big and we need to now break it up or nationalize it or whatever? Is it when 80% of the population is on it? Is it when 50%? What number is that? Because right now, to me, unless I'm wrong, and I'm, I'm happy to be educated on that, it seems like there's just some subjectiveness to things like Amazon or Facebook. Oh, they're too big. Subjectively, they're too big. Um, if there are objective standards that I'm not aware of, again, I'm happy to talk about those. Maybe we can create them. But right now, it just seems like there's subjectivity around what's too big or what's not. And, oh, we need to break this up or do this to that because it's subjectively too large. Yeah, I like the fact that you keep coming back to the questions of objectivity and subjectivity, Evan. The question I would that I wrote down a while ago, because um, you use the exact wording, we know this is bad. I think that hopefully, I mean, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not, but to me, it's the knee-jerk question, do we? Um, do we? Do we really? I don't think I'm being cynical when I say that I don't think we, as a species, really do have a clear sense of what I believe you're essentially calling, which is what I believe you're essentially referring to, which is fair to call morality. Um, I don't think we really do have a good sense of that to where we know something is bad or not, at least not consistently enough and not to where we won't, as you're saying, be arbitrary in our um, perspective about how to operate or how to um, solve something. I don't think we do have a sense of that, or at least not one that is uh, apparent enough to most of us at the moment. It could be apparent, but I don't think it is apparent enough to most of us or enough of us at the moment. And it's probably largely because we're so damn distracted by so many of the crazy things that are new to our uh, world. Um, maybe that's part of it, but it, it, it isn't necessarily the whole, the whole reason, but it's definitely a part of it. But to me, that's really the crux of it, if you will, um, in terms of wanting to be able to have a, I guess, context for what's going on and a concept for how to um, move forward is to recognize, well, no, uh, we don't know the, <laughs> the answers to the, or we don't know how to determine if something is um, serving us or not. We don't have a really good system for that. It's completely, or at least mostly arbitrary. It's not rooted in something that actually is consistently verifiable or objective. It is largely arbitrary. We've made up so much stuff. 
So to say that we know something is bad or good to me is not true, or at least is suspect. Oh, I completely agree. I think uh, I think morality is subjective. Um, and It doesn't have to be, though. I don't think it has to be. I think the problem well, is building a system from that assumption of morality as opposed to leveling the foundation enough or being able to agree on a foundation that is, as Evan keeps saying, perhaps verifiable in a kind of objective way. And that doesn't mean it's permanent that we have it completely figured out and we don't have any more to learn and any other new questions. I think new questions will always arise, but can we have a, a understanding of what is, and I don't think this is an abstraction, Evan, because I know sometimes it sounds like that. I think we can have an understanding of what I'll just call reality that isn't, um, isn't subjective, but that doesn't mean that it's complete. It can still be, it can still present new information. It can still surprise us. It can still force us to adapt and to adjust and to evolve. But the foundation is not one of morality. It's one of um, what we can observe. It's, it's observable in, the, in that regard. It's quote unquote objective or at least objective enough. I think to assume that we know as a culture or as a species anything about morality isn't productive. It doesn't look like it's getting us anywhere to assume that we know that or that we can simply make positive changes based on those um, ideas, the mor morality constructs. I think we can arrive at a morality based on a certain more refined understanding of, dare I say, reality. But I think we're going about it backwards. Go for it, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Evan's face, so I'm not as a, I don't get the privilege of reading what he is or is not thinking. It's, um, I think, I think there's, there's a, I think there's a few things that I could probably say there. It's like, I believe that morality is a, is subjective. There are certain things that we accept as being universally bad or universally I I think usually bad is easier to accept universally than than good. Um like murder per se, right? Or you know other heinous crimes that you could commit that are objectively bad even though it's technically a subjective judgment. But I think the rest we're working in the gray area. And I think, well, yeah, you know, like, but even to be annoying, we know that we know there is an agreeable context for quote unquote murder. Where it's like, yeah, that was, that was the right move. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't understand what's even slightly objective about that because depending on, I agree that morality it's is context. Because throughout history. I mean, we've done some, what we would now consider pretty crazy things. Yeah. I mean, you killed the kid if it had a weakness, you know, in certain tribes. And that was, oh, well, this is useful, right? We don't want them wasting resources. I mean, that's probably not something that would go too well in today's world, right? So, and that's, I would like to think for the better. Um, I certainly think it is for the better, but I don't think there's almost anything objective about it. Hmm. Connor? Well, I guess 
from that, we can say that morality is used as a weapon in a lot of ways um, when they justify it to do heinous things. Um, well, yeah, but not even. And again, Evan, you used the it was your phrase. We know this is bad. And I'm. I think we can agree on something being un, uh, unappealing or some other. The key is the standard. Like, no, we don't know whether it's bad. We don't know that the. I mean, Disney Plus just made a choice to remove a, a whole list of other movies from um, their something to do with their uh, channel because of more of this. Uh, concern over represent how things are represented and um you're referring to food choices so and nutrition of course and um obviously just in the context of understanding light as you are an expert in we don't know these things we don't know what's good or bad for us i don't think we have i don't think the many people could write a list that's similar in that regard And I'm only pointing that out because I think the challenge is less obvious than <laughs> um, it's not necessarily a an obvious issue to to when you I think start to consider the possibility that we as a culture and or species really don't have a good sense of these kinds of things uh, these concepts good bad um, what serves us what doesn't serve us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it seems like we kind of all agree on that point. I, I was just trying to extrapolate that like there are some things out there that today are held as a loosely universal morality b- baseline. But even that again, like you guys are saying isn't universal fully. So, I think we all agree that it's it's subjective in that matter. Did you have any other examples besides murder? Because apparently we couldn't agree on that one. Well, <laughs> it's hard for me because I, I, I don't. I believe that morality is subjective, so I, it's hard for me to give you another yeah. example. I have a whole episode of my show dedicated to talking about that. Actually, I mean, it's it's totally objective or subjective because what I think is good. I mean, let's just say the the Amazon Amazon thing, right? I believe that we should be pushing for the Amazon workers to unionize down in Alabama. And I'm supportive of that. I'm, I talk about that all the time. And there's people that think that that is bad or it's objectively bad. And I don't, you know, we, we there's a million different ways to go from that. Um, but I, and they'll be like, well, it'll hurt the business. It'll hurt the consumers. It'll hurt this and that. Um, but to me, I believe in helping the workers. And I, it's, it's just interesting to see how morality and subjective choices on what you value most uh, prioritize things for people, if that makes sense. <laughs> I know that's, a compl- that's almost like a complete non sequitur, but... Uh, no, it's not. I think it speaks to the sort of buffet that is before us and the kind of hodgepodge of options and the fact that people are kind of random in how they um, organize their pers- positions and their perspectives and it it isn't considerate of a larger a large enough context at this stage seemingly so you know talk about just to oversimplify how things began like the question 
of Monsanto and people lying and what can we really do? Can we improve um, our our world with a um, legislative focus or does it have to be education? Can it be both? I suppose it can, it has to be somewhat both, but, um, and that's an oversimplification, I guess, of the, the opening sort of uh, points. But yeah, I guess without the dramatic educational reform and specifically of what is and isn't what is objective and what is not objective like if that's not the standard i think then we only continue to see more chaos in the ways that we've started to see over the last i guess couple of years but some may say even more than that some may even point to decades but um if chaos is a an appropriate word, and I would I would say it is because it it um excessive chaos, I guess more specifically, an excess of chaos, meaning the inability to even organize on a certain scale to achieve anything. Like even just the achievement of um <laughs> climate change is too big a an issue, clearly. Um in the global sense, but just even on a more, a smaller scale nationally or in a state, like clearly, as far as I can see, we're not achieving much in relationship to that. At least it doesn't look like it to most of us average citizens that we're really achieving much in that way. Yet you have people saying, oh, well, we are because there's cleaner air in certain places. But then again, there's Monsanto doing what Monsanto does and there's fracking and so on and so forth. So I guess it doesn't look like there's a shared standard for what is what we are even interested in achieving, let alone what is good and bad. <clears throat> like, I think a part of it becomes the mechanism and how to enforce it and how to actually get Hence, into where well, you're that's saying. the legislation. I, the, you obviously, I mean, it, I'm, when I say legislation, when you, it, it's sort of my, the word for system, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, this is why it's tough. It's like the, ma the major flaws in the democratic and the Republican parties and the Libertarian party and the Green party and every other party is that they are subject to the current system that we operate within. Now, there are people that I will put out there that I will say that have integrity and represent values that are similar to what you just put forward that hold office and mm -hmm. we could get more people elected to office if you start at the smallest level, because like you said, organizing at any level beyond just your town is, seems to be insurmountable, but. Well, I wouldn't call it functional. And I don't know if that's fair though. I don't know if, again, that just sounds like the overly, um, uh, you know, I guess comfortable white guy. It doesn't look what you, functional. What do you mean? The ability to achieve anything on a on that large enough on that larger scale. Why not? 
What about the New Deal? Oh, no, I'm saying, the yeah, I don't know. Maybe that would be productive. It doesn't look like we're able to get to a place of functioning. I'm not saying there aren't fun, there aren't good ideas, but is the operating system... Well, go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm not talking the Green New Deal. I'm talking the New Deal, like passing Social Security From, or passage of Medicare or passage of unemployment insurance. I mean, these things are old, but they're only a century old. Um, not even for some of them. Medicare was passed in the 60s. But... These yes, are, are we still op- are we still able to do that today? <laughs> so much has happened in the last eighty years. Are we, we still in a place where we can a- accomplish things like that? It's a choice, and <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you know we look at the Democrats controlling the Senate. They could get rid of the filibuster, which is in there to uphold conservative values throughout history and was in was put in to protect slave holders it doesn't seem like they can yes they can um they just need a simple majority what what are they waiting for Uh, (laughs) because we elected the wrong people in the wrong in certain places um i mean it's uh, kirsten (laughs) kirsten cinema uh joe manchin you're talking about people that aren't really democrats so then mm. it becomes okay well how do we convince them to change those things so then we can get systematic wide changes i mean granted the senate did just pass a bill which it's not passed by the house yet but one of the largest bills in the history of the united states that will lift more people out of poverty than almost you know probably any bill in the last 50 years just by giving people money it's just giving people money and it's your money. So there's nothing really wrong with that. But these are things that can function. You just have to operate with the assumption. I mean, we could go really, really deep into that part I because the Senate that. is yeah. and the I, Senate I, is undemocratic. I mean, functionally, it's undemocratic. So um, yeah, which is obviously a then it seems like a facade in terms of what it's meant to be for. But I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not by any means suggesting. I know I actually probably sound like the apathetic one, Evan. I want to bring you back in. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's a pre. It's appropriate, and I'm not actually trying to sound apathetic or defeatist. I'm. I guess I'm. I don't think it's that I agree with people like, or certainly don't agree with much of the foundation of what somebody like uh, the gentleman I was speaking to yesterday was saying, but there's so many people like him, obviously, who essentially think that there's a total um, breakdown taking place. And it's by no means, I, I hate, I really don't like to play anything like devil's advocate. I'm not interested in doing that. I think I'm, I care about understanding what do we do with so many, when so many people um, are seemingly at a place where they believe that it's all broken. There's no way to do to, there's that it is beyond repair, and that the even the two them. And Evan, I don't think that's characterizing your point of view at all because um, I don't want to do that. But it's you're, you sort of have a light version of that sometimes. The way that at least it comes across that way sometimes, like a lighter version of that and you choose to because it's good to do so focus on what you can do and be engaged in the education that you can be engaged in 
But obviously, to Connor's foundational point, everything, quote unquote, is political. And then, Connor, to throw another monkey wrench in, there's the foundational question or the fundamental question of can we even, can we, not to say that I agree again with the perspective that things are beyond repair, but can we really do anything with this two-party absurdity? And that's just because I've, I know I actually have to, unfortunately, wrap things up shortly, which is a little silly, I know. Um, That's my way of characterizing, I guess, all of the uh, voices that I think are here at the moment. (laughs) Can you, I'm sorry to, I know you just said that you have to wrap things up soon, but just to be clear, what is the viewpoint that you think I have a light version of? I don't fully understand that. Good. I I wanted to make sure you were awake because I couldn't... (laughs) I can't see you, man. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. You said you guys guys weren't using video. Come on now. Well, not recording, but either way, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, you have, as I hear it, of course, my, that's my this is my interpretation. A sort of, and it, but but it isn't the it isn't a by any stretch of the imagination sort of like nihilistic point of view, but it is a the light version of the system is broken if you will and i'm we need to just be focusing on what we can do as the individuals that we are with the tools that we have right in front of us and not try to um not be any more dependent than we have to be on the quote-unquote system or the legislative potential or the um, legislative choices. I guess my response to that is, I mean, I I certainly, and this is, I think, one of the things that Connor and I end up at all the time. And I'm not just arguing you for the sake of arguing you. I really do not believe that. I think it's totally possible um, to fix these things. It just, I believe that the easier route, not that this is easy, But what I've seen is that the easier route is to educate the people because the people can literally change things in a day. Now, the examples of this and the versions of this are so extreme for some that they're like, this could never happen. One of the examples I always use, even if this is just so beyond comprehension that maybe you can't actually visualize it happening, you can't argue that it's not true. Everyone complains about the price of college, right? I hate the price of college. That's why I didn't go. I didn't take out loans that I couldn't pay back. I chose not to pursue that any longer because I knew that I couldn't pay that at the time, even though I was very interested in education overall. If people wanted the price of college to change, well, we just stop going. If everyone stops going and paying that college tomorrow, they are forced to change to some degree. Now, when is that going to happen? I have no idea. How do you congregate mass amounts of people to do that? I'm not really sure. But I think that is absolutely and undeniably a solution if we could get people to do it. And unfortunately, at this point, my argument is that that as hard as that seems, would actually be easier than getting these people at the top to change because it's so consistent, no matter what the side, the BS. And I just, I I can't take it and I really get annoyed with it. So um, I'm not saying either of those are particularly good options. I think mine is a very slight, more probable option because when people are educated and this is what I found in the health space, yeah, they do make different decisions and they do vote with their dollars and they do start doing different things. So I think we have a chance to educate people because of the mass amount of connection that we have. Can we get millions of people to all, you know, fight for the same thing and do the same thing? Probably not. Um, I would love to believe 
that these people at the top and that system is going to change for the positive. But I don't think it can change either way until the people are more educated. So just to be very clear in my view, I think it's possible. Um, and it's it certainly, I, I knew that you kind of said this, but yeah, it's definitely not nihilistic. I always make a joke. I mean, if someone's nihilistic, truly, uh, why would they be here, right? You should have ended it a while ago. Um, and I don't mean that, you know, rudely, I'm, I'm just being serious. If you're a true nihilist, well, why spend another minute here? Um, and that's why I, I don't believe there's actually many true nihilists. So certainly not that. I think the solutions are hard. I think my solution might be slightly more probable. And certainly I have plenty more research to do um, to come to a final conclusion on that. And that's why I don't have a final conclusion on that. That's my opinion based on what I, the information I currently have today, which as you know, uh, both of you know, I always disclaim in my conversations. The concept, the concept you're looking for, and we on the left call it solidarity. Uh, class solidarity, actually, um, because something like what you're talking about could be done. Uh, actually, a better example, and not to diminish your example of college, but in general, if you want to change a system, you would have a general strike. You would have workers work walk out on work. But the problem is that you become the coordination and actually having solidarity on a mass scale. Um, but that is the that is the job of unions. That is the job of organizing labor and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think your point's well taken. Uh, I think there's other routes for the college example, but it's a decent example. Agreed. Yeah. All good example or all good details. And yeah, Niall, I was being a little provocative with that word. Um, There are some would say active or passive nihilist and active nihilist, but either way, I think you're right. There is no there a real nihilist and to be really uh, unappealing about it, unpleasant about it, would not continue with living. <laughs> but for now, the beauty of it is that we're all doing uh, what we believe we are here to be doing. And I guess the, the only thing to continue to um, ask each other and ask ourselves is to what extent can we be more engaged in a uh, shared vision of what's possible. And as long as we're Focusing on that, I suppose let's keep going at it the best of to the best of our abilities. Um, we have three different particular expertise and three or three potentially congruent um, ways of being engaged in the same mission, if you will. So. I don't know if I have anything more to, to play around with here. Uh, I could certainly, we could go for a little bit longer, but do you guys have any particular? Oh, idealism. That's, that's one word. Um, there's a distinction, I guess, that's provocative to me between having ideals and being idealistic and, and getting caught up in idealism. And I don't think it's just a semantics distinction. I think that the danger of, again, assuming that we know what's good and what's bad and um, or even that we should know what's good and what's bad is that we might not break what seems like a cycle of, I call it absoluting, but uh, living with an absolutism 
mentality or attitude. I, I think if one, if there could be one primary piece to the educational shift, and um, ideally legislators would uh, would understand this. And I prefer to call them legislators as opposed to those on the top, although obviously legislation affects everybody seemingly, as opposed to podcasts. Uh, although it would be nice if podcasts were as significant, or some of them. The the question before, as I as I often look at it, is can we really um, avoid certain destructive behaviors if we're always thinking in terms of absolutes and idealism. In other words, what if it's a trap to think that we can even have the all of the answers um, as opposed to needing to lay a foundation that is consistently malleable? And what if there's a way to have a foundation that is intentionally, um, yeah, plastic and, and malleable and can evolve? I think part of what's so, why we seem to, as a society, be so caught up in um, confrontations and why we get into confrontations is because we think that there needs to be some kind of permanent system, so to speak, some kind of permanent static way for it all to be. And I'm pretty sure that's not one possible and two going to actually serve our, our greatest potential. So the idealism, I think, is, is a red flag if we ever catch it in ourselves. Anyway, that was a long-winded way of saying something potentially very simple, but sometimes that's what I do. Connor, I saw you yawn. I'm pretty tired, too. I think we've all had long days. Evan, I know it's it's potentially getting, or there's a danger of light hitting. Oh, I, I guess you have your glasses on, actually, so you're safe. I wish you could see this setup, Colin. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I believe it. I forgot my red light. Uh, it's at home, but I will be getting it. Um, all right, those are my closing remarks. Anything you guys, you gentlemen, want to add? It was nice shooting the shit. Yeah, I yeah. don't have any. I mean, other than just, yeah, thanks for having me, uh, first and foremost. And I think the first step, at least <laughs> for right now, is having honest people, regardless of whether or not I agree with everything they say. And that's one of the reasons... Um, you know, I love that, Connor, you're doing what you're doing, man. It's always great talking to you. I know that we don't agree on everything, but I still trust you as a human being. And that is a huge step up um, from the rest of this stuff. So I think uh, that is the first step when we talk about, I know we had kind of alluded to that, like where, where do we really begin with this? Let's just get on as people um, at the top. That would be a fantastic thing, regardless of whether or not we agree with them. And then we can start making some progress. So those are my closing remarks. Um, I mean, I'll echo everything you guys just said. And I'll also point out what Colin said. Uh, I would just want to quote good old Socrates and say that I know that I know nothing. And anybody that tells you that they have all the answers, they're lying. So because nobody knows everything, we always need to be I, this. This is a good way to end it for us. It comes back to the beginning point that we all agreed on is that education 
is important. It is a key. And we, if the minute we stop learning is the minute it's basically all over for us. So uh, we might as well just keep trying to learn because there's always something else that we can try to try to bite off and, and digest. Amen. All right. Good. I think we'll leave it at that. Thank you guys. Thanks gentlemen. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. Take a picture of your setup, Evan. Well, the whole point is it's dark. You know, you can't really. <laughs> All right. Dude, no. I got, yeah. Yeah. Let's not get into it. <laughs> All right. Good night. Everybody have a good night. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. Ta-ta for now. See ya. Bye. Hey, here we are. That was it. Like I said, good exercise. We're all going to get better at this as we go, to say the least. And what I mean by this is connecting, communicating, respecting each other's perspectives and capacities to see something that is important and needs to be brought into the melting pot or delicious uh, soup that we are all engaging in co-creating, hopefully on purpose and with a willingness to do so um, joyfully. I think that's the key. The convers- I mentioned a conversation with Connor that's, that happened, um, well, just recently. I mentioned in the intro. I'm thinking about beauty. I'm thinking about how <sighs> part of the problem when we have these They're not meant to be debates, but just we're so used to connecting with talking. And that's good. That shouldn't stop. Language is key. Using our language is key. The risk is obvious, though, that you get caught up in your head and that you just forget the need to... You might forget the need to see beauty no matter what is going on. And to, to you might forget the ability. You might lose the ability to just see the beauty in front of you. Which is to say, we can connect with concepts. We can connect with, you know, just straight up words. But inevitably, we have to be able to connect without that. Inevitably. Not just like, hey, it'd be cool. But inevitably, we have to. There's no way around it. Oh, yeah, just think about that. That's part of what makes, that's part of the movement. It's part of why movement matters. How about that? All right, I'm going to leave you with this. Leave you with this little tune. I think we'll just enjoy ending here.